Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hi. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about confidence, why you should have it, and why you might not have it, what you can do to get it, and if you have too much, because um, that's bad too. Bad. Very People bad. think you're a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Don't, don't be a jerk. Sam. Matt. Do you confidently want to talk about confidence? Absolutely. I would love to talk about confidence. Perfect. I'm an expert in confidence. Too much? (laughs) That might be a little too much confidence. Then you become a jerk. I get it. I see the rule here. I see the line. Don't be that guy. It's a good example for our audience. A little tangibility right there. There you go. A little take home for you. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about confidence. Let's. Uh, early in my journey in the music world, I lacked confidence. And this is a normal thing because when you first start out, you're not really sure what you're doing. The product you put out is usually something that's not exactly something you're thrilled about. You may have glimpses of greatness in there. But often, I remember sending off projects to people with the underlying tone of, I hope you like it. I think this <laughs> is good. And uh, for a while, I presented my things that way and my business that way because I knew personally my work wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be. And that differs from person to person. But what I found over the years is, and this is something you could probably speak into, Matt, with psychology and sociology and behavior, mm. is whatever you plant you know, seed-wise into people's heads is how they're going to view or listen to everything. So I found when I would send stuff to clients, if I gave them any sort of doubt <clears throat> or brought light uh or brought attention to anything in the mix still that was bothering me, such as like, hey, I'm not sure if the kick drum is right here, even in the master, you know. All they would do is respond about the kick drum. I've totally lost them. I lost them probably before they even listened to the master. And we would start this um, can of worms debate about a kick drum or if I told them, you know, you know, I think this is good, but let me know your thoughts. And, you know, if, if you need revisions, let me know. Um, which is a nice thing to say to people because it kind of allows them to know, like, okay, if this is wrong, then we can make some adjustments. Or wrong is maybe a strong word, but if it's not what they were envisioning, the master being, um, you know, we can make adjustments. But anytime I found that I would tell people, you know, let me know what adjustments you need from the start, they would assume it's not a finished product. Um, Even when I felt like when I started to deliver things that I was like, yeah, this is really great. I love this product. I still had this open-ended kind of dialogue to them of, hey, I hope you like it. You know, if you need any tweaks, just let me know. And that to me, every time someone would have a tweak, surprise, surprise, they would want something changed. 
if I brought anything, you know, uh, maybe a little wide, but I like the way it sits. It's too wide. You know, they were too wide. It's too wide. And <clears throat> this is a lesson. Once I started to present my work in a way with confidence, which was a people have picked me to master the way I hear music and the way I interpret it. They want me to send them a product that I have deemed ready to release. That's part of the mastering stage. That is one of the huge parts of our job is to say, this is ready to release to lay all those worries and cares they've had for weeks or months or years about the, the album creation process. And, you know, is the guitar tone right? And then did the mixer get it right? You know, there's no, there should be no more discussion to me, in my opinion, at the mastering stage of whether or not the guitar tone is good or not, because you are just destroying any confidence they had in the album. You're destroying any momentum. And at this stage, hopefully they've signed off on the mixes and everybody's happy. And it's my job to enhance what's great about it. You know, use my expertise to tame anything that may hinder it from translating to other places. And then, you know, like we've talked about before, we do code embedding and making sure it's all, um, you know, properly ready in a DDP or whatever format they're going to release in, that it's ready for an actual release, professional release. Um, And people want to know, in my experience, that that's what you're giving them. They don't want to get a product where you're still you know, putting doubt in their head. They're coming to you as a master engineer to say, this is good, this is ready to go. This version one, you could release tomorrow and I'd be stoked about it. So when I started to present things in that way, um, I found that my revisions went down. People were already primed to be stoked on it. Um, And it doesn't mean I'm tricking them, but once I got to a point where I was putting out music I really liked, I just kept, you know, I hit this wall one day where I was like, why am I, why am I presenting this stuff as if it's not done when I think it's kicking ass, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why am I essentially underselling my end product and acting like I'm an amateur when, you know, I feel like I'm very much a professional and the sound I'm putting out is, is great and I like it and clients have said they like it. You know, there's no need to present yourself um, in a way that continues to put doubt into your client's mind. So that's kind of my opening dialogue about confidence and, and my journey. And Matt, I want to get your thoughts on that too and your experience thus far. You want to learn how to write an email when you're not confident about something? Yes. Or really when you're starting out, you write that email and you write all this stuff that you want to say. <laughs> And you read through it, and you delete it. Exactly. I love that. And then you wait 10 minutes, and then you write it again. Yeah. And that one's a good one. Yeah. That's how you do it. I like that. Yeah. That's wisdom right there. (laughs) I think I've done that three times today. (laughs) And it's not like a lack of confidence. It was just me over-explaining myself in something. And someone was asking... uh, hey, do the guitars seem like they're lost a little bit? And I went back to the master and I looked at it. And this is something I had mastered about a week or so ago and they were just getting back to me. And I said, yeah, it does, but things seem a little too mono. Or not not mono, but they seem like not like super or like not like the standard width that you would kind of expect for this like specific of a genre. And... 
Uh, so I, I said that much, but then, but what I had prepared beyond that, um, oh, and I, I offered like a couple suggestions, um, just like, Hey, why don't we see if we can like widen these a little bit? Um, I can do that on my end, but I think it can be a lot, like, I think it'd be like more tastefully done, um, in the mix. So, because if I do it, I'm going to have to do something weird, like pulling a hat out of a rabbit in order to make it work, as opposed to you can just go, yeah, I did mean to say hat out of a rabbit, not rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> I did mean to say that, like, because it's backwards and how I'd have to do it. Um, but in general, just going back to the mix and just, boop, move it out a little bit saves a lot of headache. And I don't have to doubt what I'm doing. Like, am I going to get some weird phase stuff because I'm having to do something with, like, a very specific instrument and trying to have to separate this. And it's like, no, we don't want to do that. Um, so actually what I had like prepared prior is I took a, like a picture of the stereo field during the chorus and being like, going to show them that it is pretty like straight up the center. The whole, the whole kibosh, the whole master Mm -hmm. was straight up the center for the most part. And I was like, yeah, this should probably be a little bit more like, filling out the stereo field. So I was going to totally take a... I, I had the screenshot, and I was about to attach it, and I was like, Matt, <laughs> what do we tell ourselves? I was like, we need to delete it. And But, oh, oh, if you want a good piece of advice about this, that first email you write, make sure you delete their email. Because if you push send on that bad boy... <laughs> That is no bueno, Batman. That is oh that one is not going to be good. So, yeah, make sure you take that piece of advice. Highly unsolicited. I usually type uh, mine in my notes, like on ooh. Mac, and that way, I never do that because I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I did that no years bueno. ago. And after that, I was like, I gotta not type my my uh, feelings out in email. I need to put it in notes first. <laughs> Yeah, we, my other job, we're currently doing some bidding back and forth with a big box store. And I was sending something to the other people who own this company. And my kid was climbing on me and my kid pushed send. And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't read that first. (laughs) I got to reread that. And I tried to lead it before it sent and I couldn't get it. And so just, uh, be careful. Someone should make an <laughs> app that allows time delay. Are you sure you wanted to send that? Yeah. And then like the email goes <laughs> this out to this This looks like app, it was a mistake. And then you have a five <laughs> minute window where it'll send it in five minutes still. But it's just it's just a little net, an app. Someone needs, who's listening? This actually <laughs> seems doable on some level where you log into all your accounts in this app and it just has a time delay where it's like, in five minutes, it's going to send. It's super simple. Why can't we do that? Can't Apple just make a little rule where you like have a, a five-minute delay? I think I'm That's onto something. Fantastic. This seems like a very simple thing that Apple could at least do in their Mac mail, where it's like, <laughs> where it's like safety net option or something. I don't know what you want to call it. I think Gmail actually does that, where you can unsend email. Well, that's cool. I think that's a thing. I had read once where I, 
I thought it was like you had within one minute or something to, uh, I can't remember what you did. You had to like contact, I think. Yeah, I just sent you an email on Gmail. It was test. Yeah. And it's at the bottom. It says, Mesh had sent. And I literally had 10 seconds to undo it, and the thing went away. Ooh. Let me see if I So that's a thing. Yeah. Well, I didn't hit undo in time. Okay. No, but I just wanted to see if it did. So that's a thing. Yeah. Well, somebody needs to invent something so my kid doesn't kick my phone. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, That would be putting down your phone when you're around your children, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, passive aggressive subconscious. So back on to conscious or yeah, consciousness confidence. <laughs> oh yes. man. So yeah. We're off already. Nah, we're right on right on pace for us. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think. Um so yeah, so confidence for those listening, I found you know, a lot of the people I talk to within the industry and on Facebook and mentor program, it seems that there is a lack of confidence. And I think it ties back into knowing your worth, which is a shout out to one of our original episodes, one of our most popular episodes. And it kind of ties into confidence of valuing yourself and your product that you're delivering to people and knowing that it has value and it also has monetary value to it. And that once you start presenting yourself as confident, um, what I've noticed is clients like working with you. You personally, me, once I started presenting myself more confidently, they're literally over the last like three, four years of that shift, I present myself way more confident, but in a way that is not, to me at least, cocky because I, I've never gotten that and never had clients be not work with me. But like when someone will ask me if I want to do a project and I listen to it, and I'm like, yes, this is hip hop. I love hip hop. I will literally tell them like, I'm going to crush this. Like it's going to be awesome. And I tell <laughs> them that from the start and that just sets the tone and it kind of gives the project new life a lot of time I found because mm-hmm. a lot of the time times when people are at the mastering stage, they have been on this long journey, you know. Of, You're out of time and out of money. Yeah, of writing the music tracking the music, retracking music, mixing the music, revisions out the butt with the mixer. You know, money is short and now it's mastering and they're you know, they hate their songs at this point. They're so tired of listening to them. And you know, I've had plenty of artists who have you know told me like, "Hey, your excitement like you brought new fresh like life to it when we were like as a band just like we wanted to just delete the project because it's been six mm. months and we hate the songs now because <laughs> we've heard them 1,000 times. And, you know, it, it goes a long way when I hear something and my reaction is, oh, this is actually great. And I'll tell people, I'll be like, hey, this is awesome. Like, this is a great song. And I'm a great fit for this. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you a end product that you're going to love. Like, <laughs> And <laughs> it's not bullcrap because I, you know, I pick projects where I know that I'm great at. And that's part of confidence too, is like finding your lane and what you're great at um, really starts to help you become confident. But what I've noticed in town is, you know, I call it like people limp in to what they do um, so much in town where you ask them what they do and, and they say, ah, I, you know, I, I mix, but you know, I also kind of produce and 
uh, you know, and then I wait tables and it's kind of like, well, what do you want? What are you doing? Like, what's your identity? What's your brand here? And when people ask me what I do, even though I do multiple things, um, you know, I do some mixing and I, and I do produce, um, you know, I always, I always lead with, I'm a mastering engineer and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, there's no other, there's no, and this and that and the other. And then I also like to mix. It's always, I'm a mastering engineer. And when I say that and only that, there's this kind of like big exclamation point or period or like, there's nothing else to distract them. You know, when they think of me, they think of mastering. And that's one of the huge marketing things I think that, you know, I've found with confidence is like, when you present yourself as one thing, when you present yourself as, you know, the lane you've carved, you know, I'll sometimes even be like, I'm a master engineer and I love to work on hip hop. If, you know, hmm. and then they go, okay, well, I don't do hip hop, but as soon as I hear someone who does hip hop, they're going to Sam. And that's just kind of like, I think, solidifying within yourself what do you like to do? What are you confident with? And let's double down on that with marketing and the way we present ourselves as a business and as a brand, um, you know, as master engineers or mixers or producers or whatever you do in life, if you're listening to this. Um, you know, it's really important to clarify to yourself first what you are because it's really hard to present yourself if you don't even know really what you're great at or what you think you're great at. Or if you think you're bad at it, you better believe no one else is going to want to work with you (laughs) because they can sniff that out, that insecurity. Um, And that's what I've, I've just seen. Like I know part of my success has come from being confident and telling people, I'm a master engineer, send me your mixes. I want to master your album. It's going to be great. And then people are like, okay, this is great. <laughs> wow, that was really forward of it's, you. Yeah, no one ever <laughs> says that though. Like one of my best buddies in town, Phil Barnes, is an artist that I met at a bar. He used to live in Florida, now he lives here and we do a ton of projects together. But the first night I met him, he was like, I'm finishing up mixes for my album. And I said, you know, what kind of music is it? And he's like, oh, it's like pop, kind of like One Republic. And I said, I want to master it. It was like within the first 30 minutes of meeting him, and he just goes, wow, okay, well, you can master it. <laughs> and that was it. Did you charge him? Yeah, I charged him for it. But it was it was one of those things where he still talks about that and why he <coughs> likes working with me is because he was like, I knew by the way you presented yourself, the confidence you had. He was like, nobody else I knew was saying that. You know, no one else had come to me and said, I want to do this, you know? Mm. And I think that's that's a big factor that people don't realize a lot of these artists and mixers are not getting talked to. You know, a lot of my clients have come from, you know, it's the cold call method of, Hey, I like these bands you work with. I'd like to master it. And they go, you know what? No one's ever really done that. We've just always sent it out and it sounds good, but we'd rather work with someone who actually likes it and says, we like this as opposed to sending it off to someone who, you know, does good work, but they don't seem to, you know, care about the music and the relationship. Um, and I found that that to be shifting in this industry where people, as people begin to make music more and more at home or home studios or, you know, home build outs, they want to form relationships with people more so than just sending your music off to a big box place and not having the relationship. I think the industry is changing back to like, highly relational 
Um, and I think I, I feel like I can say that because I have a lot of big box clients, you know, from some of the larger companies. I probably have at least a dozen now. Um, and they <coughs> love having a relationship and they love that I actually like their music as opposed to mm. just treating it as another project. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I feel like I've learned a lot is, you know, first you've got to clarify to yourself who you are, what you're good at, what you think you're good at, you know, solidify that. Once you know that, then you can present that confidently. So that's like step one and two. And then as you begin to present yourself as, you know, if you're a master engineer, you can literally just wake up every day and write out, I am a master engineer. And if you do that for a whole year, I promise you're going to, it's just going to be floating around in your brain. And when people ask you what you do, I'm a master engineer. And you may go, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> I've had those moments where I'd be, I'll be speaking and then all of a sudden I'm like, that's freaking cool. And, I, and you know what? I do master. I do that. And people like it. And they give me money for it. And that's like an insane gift. And I'm so grateful for that. Hmm. But it, you know, that started from, you know, making a mindset shift of, of becoming confident and trusting my abilities and trusting my work and trusting that the way I hear things is, you know, what people are paying me for is, is my preference and how I interpret music once again. And, um, you have to embrace that and you have to become secure in that. Otherwise, you know, for me, it was just always a struggle of, I felt like I was always having friction with clients and they were always kind of questioning whether or not I was doing it right. And that was mainly because I was planting the seeds of doubt early on. Um, and I think you get to, as you know, as a mastering engineer, and really at any stage of the music process, if you're a mixer or producer, <clears throat> at one point, you know, you had all the power from the first email or the first interaction, mm-hmm. and you choose how much power you want to give up. You choose how much you want to slide. You choose how much you want to portray that you can really do the job and execute it well professionally, or you know, you're immediately portraying another story, which I see a lot of people do, which they'll, they'll, you know, fudge on their rates immediately. They'll be desperate. They will say, well, this, this is something I did last year, but it's not exactly what I'm doing this year, you know, or they, you know, I see this all the time. It's people will send things that say like rough or demo next to it. And anytime you send something like that... Like for a master? No, for like mixes or something. Like I'll have people send me mixes oh, okay. where they're like, it's a, you know, it's a rough or a demo. And really it's kind of like, what are you doing then? You know, like you want my opinion on it, but you're too scared to say this is a final mix. Like I've had people do that where it's like, this isn't actually the rough. This is like your version five, but you're mm-hmm. too scared to say it's a rough or people on their websites will have you know, this is my, my demo reel or something. It's like, no one wants a demo. Like (laughs) people, clients, great clients, you know, and label clients, they don't want demo. They want finished product ready to go that competes with radio. And I think that's part of the confidence thing is, um, there's some, something super interesting when you, I found this, when you start to give language to what you do, when you start to be confident and I think this is a reason why a lot of people are not confident. And I would love to have you uh, push back on this, Matt, and get your thoughts. Because I feel like you'll have a good insight to this. But I have found when you start to tell people what you are, there is this accountability and weight that then gets awakened. 
where it's like, I'm a master engineer. Oh, crap. Now there's an accountability where I actually have to do this. It's kind of like when I moved to Nashville from Florida um, and I you know, quit my full-time salary job and finally was like, I'm going to give music a go. There was nothing else to do, and there became this enormous weight, at least it felt like, where it was like, all right, I actually have to do this now. There's no more excuses to be used on why I can't do this because I put myself in one of the best cities to do this. And I think for a lot of people, you know, it's easy to complain and give all the excuses of why you're not something. And I think part of lacking confidence has to do with you're not ready to face reality, which is you may not be where you think you are. You know, you may think you're professional, but once you move to Nashville, you learn, you know what, I'm actually not that great (laughs) at what I do. Yeah, it's just big fish, small pond. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason why people lack confidence, and that was a direct reason for me. Like, you know, it's easy to be the big fish in the small pond, and then when you get into the ocean, it's kind of like, oh, the reality is I got some work to do. And the reality is there's a there's a thousand other mastering engineers here. And the reality is, you know, this is going to be difficult. And now there's a weight and responsibility to it. Um because I have stated to the world, essentially, I'm moving to Nashville to be a master engineer. Um, there's accountability with that that you have to deal with. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on that? I'm taking notes. Excellent. On my thoughts that I would like to say. Yes, great. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. Unpack okay, it. first thing. Uh, first thing, so I've said this before on other episodes. Um, one of the people who Sam has mastered for, and I, I love, I love plugging your band just because I know her and I think she does really good work. Her name's Christiana Benton. I think she's in Philadelphia now, and she has a band called The Still Small Voice. She posted on Instagram one time, and this is like a thing that like I've personally reached out to her and said like, yo, this post like you might think that you just like post these like word vomit things that it's that no one's listening, but it's like people are listening and you have a cool voice and you need to make sure that people like you need to make sure that like what you are saying is just said. Like who cares how many people hear it so long as the right person hears it. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that I was the right person for this, but this one thing definitely changed the course of action and how I um essentially identified as a mastering engineer. Um and I've said this on at least two other podcasts and the quote is when you start identifying with uh, what you are doing, things shake loose. And I think it was about uh, she was having doubt about her being in a band and her being uh, a musician and an artist and touring and whatnot. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, that just like weighs the heck down on you. Um I don't know that much. I mean, shit, having that and being out on the road and trying to like have the confidence to go to the next city. And I remember on that tour, she was saying she was having a difficult time booking dates and stuff like that. And the crazy thing was, is later she actually did another post, and this is months later, maybe almost a year later, she did another post on how she found that Facebook 
was because she hadn't subscribed or paid for something on her uh, artist page that it never notified her that she had all of these messages from that tour that she was on a year ago of all these people like, yo, play here, play here, play here. And she's like, I am so sorry. I never saw this. Screw you, Facebook. And it was, it was really cool. Just like kind of showing like, like her kind of pushing through that and being like, you know what? You just have to identify with what you're doing. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, yeah, I am a mastering engineer. I am doing this. And I haven't been doing this for long, but I'm doing this right now. And that's what I'm going to be. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on that. And it's like, whether you have confidence or not, I think that whenever you go to do something, you need to, especially a service, you need to at least portray that like you have put in the work and you have put in your dues and or and you might not have put in all your work um but i mean that next project is definitely going to help you do just that um and we've done episodes on how to essentially build yourself and your credit reel not your demo reel but build like all of that up and uh, how to get clients and whatnot uh highly recommend checking that out so, but yeah, it's, it's about having confidence in yourself and it's about stepping out of your comfort zone and it's about, uh, identifying with what you are doing. And if you're producing music, then you are a music producer. If you're a ma- if you master people's music, you are a mastering engineer. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, if you're selling hot dogs, you're a hot dog salesman. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you are what you do. So it's like I could introduce myself as a serial serial entrepreneur because that's what I do. Um, I've said in previous podcasts that I'm surprised that mastering has lasted as long as it has, and perhaps it's because I view all every project like a. Some people they they see it like they see it in colors and they need to align certain things, and uh, me personally, I see it as a puzzle, and I'm trying just to get the right pieces to fit together. And I know what it looks like. But it's just getting everything arranged uh, correctly so that I can tell a client in an email, hey, man, this sounds absolutely perfect. This is ready to go. Uh, why wait until October? Just go ahead and start start doing singles tomorrow. Like, th- th- this sounds fantastic. So, and it's about, like, it- it's the whole psychological aspect of confidence is that it's... It's like yawning. <laughs> it's like, and you yawn, and then the person next to you yawns, and the person next to them yawns. It's like, if you're confident and you're not an asshole, then you're going to kind of boost that person's confidence that you're talking to right? to have confidence in what you're just working on of theirs that, hey, this is incredible, and then they're going to promote it more. And so it's like, it doesn't hurt anybody to be confident. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you take it to like an nth degree. And I mean, there's nothing wrong in believing in yourself, but I mean, if you're believing in yourself to the point to where it's kind of obnoxious, and I'm I'm talking every, about everything in like a tasteful way, right? Not not going around and bragging about stuff that like you don't have, and trying to be like bigger than you are, and now you're hanging around Nashville or LA, and you're like name dropping in order to hope to get to somewhere, but you don't know that everyone else knows that that's a trick that everyone. 
uses who's not going to be in town very long. And <laughs> so it's just like there's there's no point in doing it. Yeah. Um, so there is a right and a wrong type of confidence. Um, yeah. I'm trying to... I'm trying to elaborate a little bit more on, like, the wrong type of confidence to have. Yeah. I mean, I think... It's kind of like... Yeah, go ahead. It's kind of like someone gives you a mix for mastering, and you know... Or saying it's not you, but you give it to somebody, they give it back to you in 20 minutes, and it's just kind of louder, and it sounds like junk. Yeah. And you know that they, they, they just threw, like, an instance of isotope on it. Yeah. And it's just like... What like this isn't master? This is just BS, right? So it's like this needs to be like ready for like everyone to hear, and nothing about what you just did instilled any bit of confidence in like your ability to do anything. So it's like yeah. you're you're just trying to process cattle at that point, right? So sorry for cutting you off. No, I was I was gonna just say like with the the bad type of confidence or overconfidence to me is. You know, I think when I first started, when I first got to town, I think bad and overconfidence quickly becomes lying. Um, If I think Hmm. about, like, when I first got to town, I remember going to parties, and granted, I had been drinking yummy cocktails. So there's, uh, you know, your inhibitions kind of slide, and you exaggerate things more usually when you drink, for most people. Um, But I remember you know, name dropping and not necessarily that it was a lie. Um, but I would just find myself kind of like claiming things or doing things or saying I was going to do things or be able to pull things off that really I couldn't, um, Hmm. in order to make myself appear to be further along better or that I wasn't, it really came down to the point of like, I didn't trust that where, you know, we've talked about this and, you know, if this is episode two, episode one of this season, where you are is where you need to be. Um, I didn't trust that at all. I thought that I needed to present myself as if I was already at the finish line, already super successful, um, always busy, always working, uh, always new famous people and um you know the reality of it was that I wasn't when I first started here wasn't super busy I did need work um a lot of the quote unquote famous people I knew I you know acquaintances I didn't know them um I had a good buddy one time be like you know anyone who name drops he said make them show you their phone number and they have to call them right then and if they're not willing to do that or they don't have the phone number, they're not really friends with them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, that's brilliant. So I kind of use that as my like rule of thumb of like, before I even mention someone, it's do I have their phone number in my phone and could I call them right now and be like, what's up? Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> you know, otherwise they're just kind of an acquaintance um, and not on the level of like friendship or, you know, strong relationship to where I'd feel comfortable dropping a name if needed, you know, to, I don't know. You don't really ever need to name drop only in the only time you need to is, you know, establishing that you've worked on something that someone is like, Hey, I really like this album. Did you do it? And then you can be like, yes, I did do that, (laughs) you know? And it was with so-and-so artist. Um, But yeah, I feel like, 
you know, when I see the overconfidence in town, um, and even within myself, it's it's pretty easy to sniff out. And I feel like, you know, when you're trying to sell everybody on everything else you've supposedly done or achieved, that screams um, that you don't really know. At least to me, like if I was name dropping or if I was trying to say I'm always busy, you know, that's a that's a different story than me just saying, hey, I'm a mastering engineer and this is what I do, you know, 24-7. There's no need to elaborate. Um, and this is something, like, I try to practice, which is, like, you know, it's just it's very simple. It's written all over different places. But, like, let your yes be a yes and your no be your no. But also within that, I am a big believer in... Um, the idea that you don't need to defend yourself to people. I used to have a, a really hard time saying no to people, which we've talked about you know, in a different episode. But when I would say no to someone, I would feel like I have to attach a book you know, to it on why I can't make it to a show or something. Um, and there were multiple times years ago where I would literally just lie and be like, hey, I can't make it tonight because I have a project. When really, I didn't have a project. You know, (laughs) I just wanted to stay home. But I felt like I had to have some reason um, on why I couldn't make it to make them feel better. I was trying to take care of them and then also Mm. preserve, you know, the relationship to make it seem like I was important. And, um, you know, that's that's not a great way to live as a human. You know, it's lines, not good. I'm pretty sure we all do it at some level. I witness it a lot in town now because it's kind of the same patterns and people can sniff it out pretty quickly, I feel like. And I I can see it now really clearly because, you know, I used to kind of do that. So it's pretty easy to see it. Um, But there's something about, you know, it's I can't remember who said it, but it's kind of like a, a still silent confidence. You know, it's, there's something about when you, if you ever have the opportunity to watch like one of your mentors work or somebody you love, you know, who masters or mixes, if you watch them work, pretty much everybody who's really great at what they do, when you watch them work, it is like someone has given them the answer key pretty much. They know exactly what to do. Like there's nothing they've, they really encounter where they're like, oh shoot, I don't know what to do with this. It's really like all the guys I've looked up to that I've been, you know, fortunate to watch, fortunate enough to watch. Uh, work on stuff they're like within 30 seconds you know grabbing things like I want to do this I want to do that I'm going to do that and that and oh this is a problem and I just oh I just need to do this and the confidence of that you know as opposed to I you know a few years ago probably would have heard something and be like oh crap well I don't know how to fix that you know it's the lack of experience I think there's Mm -hmm. the confidence comes from experience over time obviously um, and there's just kind of this silent confidence. I feel like sometimes when I watch movies, um, you know, like the big leader or like the hero in the movie is always, not always, but most of the time fairly confident. Um, we have some movies where, you know, the, the hero is like, I can't be a hero. I'm nobody. And they need pep talked into being a hero. But, you know, there's, there's something interesting when they're like, if we could just get so-and-so here, they could solve the problem. And they come in and they do it in like 10 seconds. Obviously, it's a movie, so it's not exactly real life. But there are people in real life that I've watched where it's like, 
you know, the confidence has come because they put in the work and they've also failed a thousand times and they're not afraid Mm -hmm. to have that be a part of their story and journey, you know, as a mastery engineer. Um, so that, that to me is like, you can have confidence when you start, um, in the fact that you know what you'd like to do, you know, set out to do, and you can start saying you do those things. You know, you can move to Nashville tomorrow and be like, I want to be a master engineer. I want to be a master engineer. I am a master engineer. And you can start to present yourself that way, even if you've never really done a project. I guess maybe it's hard to say you're a master engineer if you've never done anything. <laughs> but once you get that first song done, you know, you're, you're a master engineer. And you never know, like, your first song could be huge. Like, and then, you know, I've, I've watched that happen in town. People move down and the, you know, first like song they wrote gets cut by a country artist and all of a sudden they're a massive songwriter, but they've only done like a few songs, um, which that is kind of pushed back into my whole thing. What I just said of like having life experience <laughs> makes you confident. <laughs> um, but those are just. But I mean, like, how often does that happen? Not, not terribly often. But I have two friends that have, you know, within their first year <clears throat> of being here, you know, had number one country songs, and hmm. um, that they wrote or wrote and produced. Um, so that's always, you know, that's always kind of the pushback. It's like you just never know. But that's kind of my observations on, you know, confidence, good confidence, bad confidence, what it looks like, feels like, sounds like. To me, bad confidence or overconfidence is usually surrounded by a lot of noise that distracts your, you know, your listener or your client from uh, having the ability to really sniff out that you may actually not be the right person for the job, and you may not be hmm. able to execute on the level they need you to execute. But you will try and build up these walls and talk about other clients that or other artists or name drop. I mean, I think we all. You know, you name drop to help give credibility to you. You know, it's brand association. It's very simple marketing of like, if I can tell someone I've worked with, you know, Sony Records, but I'm not specific about who I've worked with, you know, it could be somebody awesome on Sony or it could be someone who literally is just a writer for Sony. (laughs) And now, you know, I'm claiming I do work for Sony, but really what I do is, you know, I, I master demos to be submitted for songs that may or may not ever see the light of day. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, there's, I think for me, like the, the bad confidence is always surrounded by a lot of other things that really have nothing to do with you. Cause you're hoping people don't sniff you out that you may actually not be at the level you're at. So yeah, that's, I have... that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of like thinking like I have a really weird way of going about life then because <clears throat> in general, I don't like, I, I really don't name drop, but I mean, if I do, it's because the way that I talk is in stories. Yeah. And it's like, whenever you hear me talking on this podcast, nine times out of 10, I have a story. Right. I'm going to be that old man, like in a rocker by a fireplace telling stories. And that person just so happens to be a character in my story. <laughs> if, and if you want it to be a true story, I mean, if you want it to be a fake, I can make it a fable. Like <laughs> Mr. Chicken said to Mr. Worm, <laughs> I could do that. But it's like, in general, I really don't give a shit what people think about me. 
in terms of like the master though um and i don't think it's as much of a self-confidence thing as an insanely deep desire to want to make that per like and this is not bs I have a really deep desire to make that person want to love what they gave me. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to like kind of deliver on like or deliver on or to exceed their expectations for their music. And that's really it. And I think that stems from something in me that I have this like desire to not like poke the bear. Mhm. Of how's the best way to put this? I don't. I, I I really hate inconveniencing other people to the point to where I will inconvenience myself, which is probably a little bit to my thing of saying yes too much. Like I said in a couple episodes ago, um, I will almost say yes to not inconvenience somebody else, and it'll be like a big inconvenience to me. Now, if you're hearing this, don't think that like doing like me saying yes is always inconveniencing myself, but. Oh, like, because I've started saying no to things and just because, like, making sure I'm putting my family first and and whatnot. Um, But, yeah, I I don't want to, like, if, I don't know, crappy instance, if I'm with a group of three people, three people want something for lunch, I really don't want that place, I'll still say... Like, I, I don't know. Let's say I'm not that comfortable around him. I might just still say yes just because it's like, well, we don't want to, like, have this conversation going around and around. And it's like people are inconvenienced and stuff like that. Just, like, really stupid stuff. So it's like when I send something off, it's like I don't really want someone to be, like, it, it's not like, oh, well, I hope they're good because of, like, my self-confidence. It's like I want them to love what they like created so much and it's like if and i'm not saying that that threshold like must be reached but it's like if someone doesn't if someone's not feeling it or someone's not liking it it's like well crap man i could have done a better job for you yeah and it's not like it's not like me saying that i did a shit job it's that like man i should have nailed this the first time and i'm disappointed in myself yeah so there's a couple ways of going about that, and I don't really know, like, what that is, but that's just kind of how I've always been, is that, like, I want, like, I, I there's this philosophy quote, and I can't remember who said it, but uh, I am most happy when the poorest man in the village rose with golden oars, hmm. and that's kind of how I live by, and there are some selfish things that I do, not necessarily in mastering, but just, I mean, in life, I mean, we all have those. Right. But in general, like, I want you to be abundantly happy with what you created, and I want you to be so happy that on four months releasing it, after releasing it, six months, eight months, that you're still talking about it. And that even, like, when your new album's about to release that you just had me master because you're so happy that about the last one you came back to me, um, that you're saying, hey, get pumped for this new album, uh, but don't forget this old one, and you bring that one back up. So kind of weird little selfish monologue, I suppose, but that's like 
that's how pumped I want you to be about what I'm delivering to yeah. you. So, and that's that, that's my overall desire for every master that comes out of here. So, and I don't I don't know if it's a self confidence thing because I don't feel like it's a self confidence thing, but who knows? That could be cockiness as well. So this is a really like tangled conversation. So, yeah, I, I don't really know where to go from, <laughs> go from there with that. That's <laughs> just kind of my random. That's great little monologue. So. Oh well, yeah. Be confident in what you're doing. Don't be overly confident. Want to de- like you should want to deliver the best product that you possibly can at all times. Like, don't cut corners. Don't skimp. Like, be happiest when like the poorest guy in the village or gal, whatever, is like rowing their boat with golden oars. Yeah. Like, let essentially your fruit grow on other people's tree essentially um that's a new one um yeah so but also be confident in what you're doing and stand behind what you're doing and if someone's not happy with it own up to it and be like yeah sure i'll uh i'll do what i can and nine times out of ten like people people will work with you on all that stuff so right i think that's all i have sam i think that's all i have too you just wrapped it up nicely. Perfect. So you have anything left for the ladies and gents? I don't know if we have a lot of ladies listening to this. Mostly guys right in. Mostly. Yeah. I think but so. any oh. of the ladies and gents in podcast land, Sam? Mm, no, I don't think so. Well, I think that's all. on that note, bombshell, whatever we're going to call it. <laughs> Morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. Sam, thank you for a fantastic episode two. Oh, you're welcome. Season, no, episode two, season two. Yes, here we are. Sweet. I imagine by this moment right now that the music has already been cued for about 15 seconds. Absolutely. So. A nice fade in. <laughs> a perfect fade in. A, in confident, a confident fade in. Oh, man. Can't get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho. Morning, afternoon, even whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. Sam, cue up the music, and we will see y'all in episode three. Cueing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>